1: That is what Weston demands. How could you do this to me?
0: Really, I want to know. Why did you do that?
1: What you feel only matters to you.
0: Step back for one minute and look at the big picture.
1: And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. We
0: the bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs.
1: Or
0: Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up, and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co host, Iris, and I am here with my older brother, Wesley. And today we're talking Train to Busan presents Peninsula. Peninsula. Wait, Busan. Did I pronounce that right?
1: <laughs> That's right, Kathleen. These Koreans really shot themselves in the foot this time. <laughs>
0: In the really awkward white people interview, that was not a good foreshadowing for this film.
1: It was almost as though they wanted to produce a movie that Americans would like. Train to Busan was a hit internationally. Let's do it again and give it more American.
0: Give it more American, including white people. A lot of very awkward English speaking. And I think that that was justified because there were language differences, right? These were people, they were presumably Mandarin or Cantonese speaking people living in Hong Kong speaking with Korean refugees and the common language was English? Right.
1: Except me in full Bert Kreischer form was like, why aren't they just speaking Korean?
0: When did you make the connection?
1: When Kelly called me out on it. She's like, you know, it's possible that one of them is they're speaking Cantonese and the others are speaking Korean. And I was like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Were you like, Oh shucks, I'm an American or what did you feel like the hot rush of embarrassment in your face? We
1: had this discussion before about Train to Busan and our American viewpoint and parasite and trying you know, just trying to avoid looking dumb and American and I fell squarely victim to that this time. With Train to Busan, we tiptoed around the political aspects, the socio-political aspects in the class separation and all those distinctions because we were like, I don't know, we're dominant American. But at least we acknowledged that. And I think they cleanly did away with all that stuff in this movie. And as before, we were trying to pin down who the characters were without butchering the pronunciations of their names. And so I've prepared a list, if you'll indulge me, for this movie. Go for it. And so some of them are easy, also because they're tangential. Uh, Jung Hyun Lee is just mom, right? Grandpa's grandpa. Brother is brother. Who's brother? Brother. The guy that Dong Wan Gang's brother. Well, technically his brother-in-law. Oh, the brother-in-law. Yeah. Got it. Right. Yeah, the lady who drove the taxi, who is literally credited as taxi woman, Yang Hee Hwang. We're going to call her Uber. The other dude that was part of their mercenary task force, uh, his name is Fodder. Fodder? Because he was just zombie fodder.
0: I mean, weren't they all kind of Is it really necessary for us to name the quartet, which very quickly became a solo?
1: Yeah, but you knew that that dude was there just to die. He was the red shirt. So Min Jae Kim, he played Sergeant Wang, which is entirely appropriate. I'm going to call him Evil Jack Black.
0: (laughs) Evil Korean Jack Black.
1: Um. Remote control car kid, we're going to call her kid. But driving kid, we're going to call short round.
0: Even though short round is a girl.
1: Right, which I didn't know for 45 minutes. Yeah. Then there's uh, the captain. I'm going to call him Captain Joker.
0: Captain, our main character? Captain.
1: he was the captain guy that had the gun that ultimately brought the cargo in to the gangster boat.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know that this is clarifying things for me.
1: (laughs) I don't know that it was intended to. And our hero, Dong Wang Gang, uh, is John Wick. (laughs)
0: Wow, that's a good comparison. They loved, right? the director loved holding on his face. Like, they, he loved his cold, hard stares. And yeah, we
1: were going to hold on these people's faces and their emotional reactions while the tide of zombies surged forward towards them.
0: Not to mention the surging tide of orchestral score.
1: Yes. You guys, bring up the uh, the strings. Come on, it's your time. Uh, we're going to forget about the zombies for a moment because we're going to luxuriate in this emotionality. So Train to Busan we reviewed not too long ago. It's not my favorite zombie movie, but I did like it. Enough to see it a couple of times. I was... Astounded, A, by how different Peninsula is from its predecessor.
0: Yeah, that missed opportunity, right? Like, weren't you waiting for Preggers and and Miyazaki Kid to show up?
1: Yeah, Miyazaki Belly? Yeah. I mean, I expected one of them to be revealed as her later on or something.
0: Yeah, she'd be be like seven, right?
1: Something like that. And B, completely shocked to find that Peninsula was directed by the same guy as Train to Busan. Has there ever been a more different follow up, a sequel, specific sequel by the same director? Who?
0: Matrix 2.
1: All right. It was bigger and badder, but it was, and it was more colorful, but it was still. Actually, maybe not. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So his name is Sang Ho Yoon. And when I found that out, I was like, how did this happen? Obviously, he had more budget and he had more pressure on him probably to have thematic elements that would resonate with other audiences around the world, specifically Americans, because Train to Busan is well known here. But it was almost I was like, did this dude get kidnapped? By like Hong Kong gangsters, and they're like, "Yo, you're gonna make a movie like this," and he was like, "All right, geez, <laughs> right?" Like I mean, Hong
0: Kong version of the producers for Nice Guys.
1: Yeah, apparently this guy, someone called him the King of K-Zom.
0: K-Zom, K-Zom, That's the genre. Korean zombie.
1: Yeah, they're currently riding the crest of their zombie thing.
0: Zombie assance.
1: We watched this movie separately. Did you end up watching it in Korean, or did you leave it? on the English dub.
0: It defaulted to English dub, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Right.
1: We we did the same, and you changed it immediately. I mean, we you have to be fairly savvy to know that option, right?
0: I didn't know the option existed. I had to kind of search around, but, you know, it was easy enough to find.
1: I thought, actually, maybe this would have been kind of appropriate if it had been Hammy and American dubbed. You know, the whole movie was kind of like that.
0: Why don't you watch it again?
1: Uh, no. So, we had talked, even despite the fact that I own it now, but we had talked about how closely these movies resemble video games, certain elements. And if you had any question about these sort of video game animatic sequences, this is what I mean. All the car scenes, all that stuff, this is what video game cutscenes look like.
0: All just strung out together.
1: There were some live actors in this movie, but a whole lot of it was computer generated.
0: Yeah. Train Dupassan was just so clever and contained. And the menace and threat was so real. This was none of that.
1: And so we try to figure out where it went wrong. Their first mistake was to take the focus off of ordinary people. You mentioned that you you get really tired of stuff like, oh, and then the military comes in. And it becomes like this military parable about, you know, how people turn on each other. And, and you were like, yeah, I've been there, done that, The Walking Dead. This was exactly that.
0: Yeah, it was Marine Captain and former Sergeant.
1: Sergeant Wang.
0: Yeah, sergeant of I don't know what military unit, but now he's even operating a new military unit. I mean, albeit very Mad Maxian.
1: Even Mad Max, at least the last one, had practical car chases.
0: <laughs> well, it's easier to do practical car chases when you don't have 11 year old drivers.
1: <laughs> hey, Short Round can do it.
0: She can do it so well. Why did her mother ever drive?
1: That's exactly what I said. Why would you? I mean, you, the mom would be way more effective at, at shotgun, right?
0: Way more effective. At, literally at shotgun with a shotgun <laughs> in her hand. Like, when yes. she was in the back seat in a booster seat, I was like, what is going on here? Right. She knew the road. She was a great driver. They did one too many, like, drifty hit zombies, like, battle ram zombies with the butt of the car thing. But, right. you know, it was fun. And the little under the bridge thing was clever with the RC car. But then it was like, okay, but now, you know, when mom's around, you're relegated to the backseat. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Ain't that always the way? (laughs) As silly as it was, maybe this was the best use of short round. Maybe if they had both been screaming useless kids, I would have hated them more.
0: Yeah, you hate them. But at least she served a purpose. They were, well, they were nice and crying and screaming at the end when they were unwilling to get on the Chinook and they were like, no, mama. And they like somehow knew that she was going to off herself, even though they couldn't see her in the car.
1: Did they know though? Because I don't know that mom was ever going to off herself. To me, it was almost like she put a gun in her mouth and she was saying, if you guys don't come back for me, I'm going to do this. You better come back right now. Don't make me do this in front of you.
0: Exactly. Like I don't
1: think she ever had any intention. It took forever.
0: She definitely contemplated it for a while, but what actually changed? Like John Wick's attitude changed, right? He's like, I'm not going to be practical. I'm going to go get mom. But how did she know? What changed for her that she decided to take the barrel out of her mouth?
1: Well, she said, don't wait for me. And maybe when he when John Wick decided to come for her, mom decided, "Okay, well, maybe we can do this together because technically, I guess the kids were
0: safe. So like they did have a line of sight, like they all could see each other.
1: Yeah, she she was like, yeah, short round was like, don't do it, mom. I mean,
0: if they could, if they were within distance to like see each other clearly from outside and within a car, like she had to have been like a hundred feet away.
1: Even you and Jane was like, there's nothing we can do for her. This is her best course of action or something. I don't know. I mean, I figure that whole end sequence, I was actually on the fence for my rating until the last sequence, until getting to the boat. They shot themselves in the leg.
0: You mean she gets shot in the leg and she's limping along? Yes.
1: And this movie equally shoots itself in the leg and limps along towards a finish that is entirely predictable.
0: Well, it was definitely the death knell for me because in that moment, he decides I'm not going to be practical or pragmatic or whatever the word was and i was like oh, okay so this is an anti-pragmatism movie no, not for me
1: <laughs> where that you find the lessons as the zombies are surging <laughs> towards you
0: it could have been whatever x insert menace here like did it really matter that they were in zombie apocalypse land
1: It didn't matter half of the time. Anytime they weren't actively running away from zombies to survive, they were running away so that they could survive so they could do dumb stuff like gladiator arenas and backstabbing and stuff. I mean, the the whole, it was an inevitability, right? It's the trope that they would put these prisoners or whatever in these gladiatorial arenas and junk and then cheer while they get eaten.
0: Well, I mean, that happens like even in the best of times, right? Like Running Man?
1: Yeah, it was like a post-apocalyptic Korean Running Man in that, <laughs> that sadism.
0: How much time do you think we spent with 631 like maybe even half of the movie.
1: It was a long time. Yeah, the amount of time we spent with brother-in-law was almost as much time as John Wick spent agonizing over his death in the middle of a gunfight.
0: Oh yeah. He did <laughs> he did spend a lot of time mourning his brother-in-law's death. He you know, he went in for him. He risked a lot to go. Like so he, you think he was exposing himself by like mourning his loss like in the moment?
1: Yes. Run away.
0: Yeah, it's done, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the $20 million.
1: Which, as I understand it, was also, give or take, the budget of this movie in American dollars.
0: Hmm. It's a significant amount of money. And yes, the plan to go in and kind of get money that's just sitting there and that is of no use to zombies or would-be survivors is kind of clever. But is $20 million really? I mean, this is like the alien question. Is any amount of money really enough to go back into Busan?
1: For the gangsters for sure. You can send not not for you yourself, but you can send you can send John Wick in, sure. John Wick is a machine and you can if you can harness that energy, it's worth it for you to at least send them in, right? All you gotta do is hang out on the boat off the coast.
0: And would they have simply offed anybody who came back in the truck, like they did poor whatever Captain you call it? Captain yeah, Joker. Captain Joker. Yeah,
1: I think I think anybody would have been doomed for sure. I mean what do they have to lose? What I didn't understand is why didn't they pull up that ramp right away and did the truck wedge in the loading ramp to allow the zombies in? <laughs> Priority number 1 is to close up the ramp, right?
0: Yeah, so they couldn't actually close that lift gate.
1: The you know, the pressure is put on people to do the dirty work or whatever. And I guess the people who had been left behind to forge their own new civilization or whatever in in the peninsula were they were kind of the same people. Right. Maybe John Wick would have gone that way if he'd had, you know, less options.
0: How tenuous was that connection between him and mom? That his initial kind of rejection of her was he just fueled by his guilt like the entire the entire film?
1: I guess so. But he made the decision when things were easier to overlook her and to ignore her and to drive past. And now when things are way worse, his loyalty comes full force for her.
0: If she had, if mom already had short round, she had to have had kid within the last four years.
1: No, for sure. And where was dad? I don't know. Maybe his different dad or whatever. But uh, Kelly would typically be the one who would insist that he stop and pick her up, even against her better judgment. But when he drove by, she was like, "Jeez, like the least he could have done was pop the trunk for the exactly.
0: baby. Exactly. Exactly. I thought the same thing. I mean, it's a little inhumane, but like you you could probably pretty safely throw the kid in the trunk if they were like 15 minutes away. Right.
1: I've ridden longer than that in trunks. <laughs> when? Uh, back in the day, I think I told you this story. I uh, beat up a dude in middle school when he punched me first. And then he and his brother had a brand new Acura that they shared in high school because they were rich or whatever. And instead of walking 1.6 miles home, which mom made me do on the regular, I would occasionally hop in the trunks of cars to get to get closer home.
0: In whose cars? So,
1: uh a bunch of a bunch of Lance's friends uh he walked up to me and was like you beat me up in 7th grade this is in high school and i was like yeah and he goes All right. And that was it. And he, because I ran, ran away from him and his friends for like two years. And then all of a sudden it it seemed to be forgiven. And he was giving people rides and, and there would always be one more person in the trunk and they would go around and drop people off at home. And so I got rides in the car and I thought we were good. And then the one time it was my turn to get in the trunk. I got in the trunk and he closed it. And I was like, oh, it was all leading to this. It took years, and he played the long game, but now I'm in his trunk, and I'm toast. And we're going to pull up Jackie Brown style to some parking lot, and I'm going to get my ass handed to me. And and it didn't happen. Trunk popped, and we were like at Octavio's house or something, and I was like, all right, I guess we're good.
0: You, You were totally projecting yourself onto him, by the way. Yeah? We're the long game types. Not everyone's like that.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, at least pop the trunk for mom and the kid, and then you don't have to risk your life time and time again.
0: Did the trunk uh, at least have the inside safety latch release?
1: I don't know. He didn't give her that option, but maybe she wouldn't have taken it. Once you're in the trunk, you have no way of knowing where you are or what's safe. Like when brother got into the back of the truck with the money, even if that had been successful, how do you know when it's safe to open those loud ass clanky doors and make sure there are no zombies around?
0: You just you know peek out and then close it again quickly. I don't know.
1: So speaking of which, you we it seemed like from train to Busan we had a reading on these zombies and they were completely different. Uh, also kind of the same. But were they sleepy? Were these zombies sleepy at night or no?
0: I wouldn't describe them as sleepy, but they kind of they mellow out and they kind of wander around.
1: They were launching themselves off of overpasses and running crazy. This movie was bigger and dumber and darker, and the whole thing pretty much took place under cover of night, and the zombies were in full force the whole time.
0: The scene that you're talking about specifically where they come careening off the overpass, there were flares in the sky. It's not about night or day. It's about light or dark.
1: So they're less aggressive, but if they're still triggered, then they, they come at you, bro?
0: Yes, but they were triggered because they were utilizing the flares and the floodlights.
1: All right. Was it accurate to the rules established by Train to Busan?
0: In our discussion on Train to Busan, we talked about how the rules weren't so important because the the threat was so new and we were so invested in the characters who didn't understand the rules. So I think they had a lot of latitude in Peninsula to kind of further refine and establish those rules.
1: Yeah, I would venture to say they had that attitude of bending and stuff for lots of elements. The fact that all the cars still worked, all the car alarms and the batteries were still intact. When they needed that truck to fire up, of all genres of movie, when the truck's not supposed to fire up, that sucker did right away. All the people were living in the shopping mall or whatever and having their gladiatorial arenas bathed in light. Uh, You know, by way of precious energy that came from somewhere or other.
0: Oh, yeah. Probably some kind of like, yeah, shopping mall generator or whatever.
1: You mean like a a generator that would draw zombies from far and wide, maybe into their corral where they could use them against the gladiators?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they should know better. And what would what about the two lookout guys who are like, yeah. There's two zombies coming in our fortress, but that's cool.
1: No, that's cool, bro. They're they're chilling or whatever. Don't make a problem unless there's a problem.
0: There's just two of them, and there won't soon be a lot of them.
1: Even Romero's Night of the Living Dead taught us that. That's my point. There's not going to be five or ten. There's going to be 20, 30, maybe 100 of these things.
0: Almost instantly, except if you're a passenger on a refugee ship. Then it takes a really long time to turn.
1: Well yeah, that's the establishing, as we mentioned before, the transformers zombie transforming all slowly so we know what's happening. Yeah. And do the little little backflip. <laughs> yeah. He went from he went from K pop to K Zom. <laughs> And didn't have any compunctions about killing the one kid. Which kid? The first kid, the nephew. Got to show that we mean business. You kill kid up front and the movie knows you're serious. The world knows you're serious. And then maybe there's stakes later on. Although I didn't think for a second that either of those two kids were going to die.
0: No, of course not.
1: John Wick would have been better off shooting his nephew immediately, having seen him as a lost cause and dragging sister away through the door before shutting the zombies in.
0: Right. It was unfortunate that cold open, especially as intercut with the news, was pretty misguided. We were supposed to feel something for John Wick and brother-in-law as they embraced just outside the vestibule, just outside the, the passenger hall or whatever. And like, we didn't know these guys and the music swelling and we're holding on them and they're holding up the, um, the Marines who are going to, you know, go ahead and fortify the, the door or whatever. And it's like, I don't know these guys
1: Yeah, it was just a disregard for logic and sort of oblivious to everything that's happening so we can focus on this emotional moment. If there's two guys clutching at each other and screaming in the hallway, wouldn't the people who came around the corner maybe think that one was attacking the other? (laughs) It's true. So you mentioned aliens. Do you think that Peninsula was aliens to Train to Busan's alien
0: yeah. Well, was it
1: bigger and more militaristic and dumber and supposed to be funny and all those things?
0: Yeah, except Aliens was good.
1: <laughs> oh Not not according to your review.
0: I gave it a good.
1: You did not. Let's oh. rewind the tape. Hit it, Steve.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I gave it a boring?
1: Yeah. At least compared to Alien, which won you over despite it being a part of pop culture and not at all surprising, yeah. I don't think.
0: Wow. I mean I think of it fondly and I if I were to compare aliens and peninsula, peninsula causes me to officially change my rating for aliens.
1: Okay. We'll apply that (laughs) retroactively. Because you can't I'm sure everybody will track that. Yeah. What I liked In that we talked about alien and and follow-ups using some of the best elements. And if they use them in a clever way, then it's okay instead of rehashing and recycling. What I did like is that they used one of the elements that I liked from Train to Busan to their advantage. The, uh, The zombie waterfall when they shot out the glass.
0: Oh, yeah, they set that up nicely.
1: Yeah, inspiring terror, and they set it up, and they, they were crammed against that glass for four years, I guess, and just waiting, and then unleashed them at exactly the right moment. That was really effective for the protagonist. So I thought that was a clever use, uh, the zombie waterfall. Yeah. Zombie walker fall.
0: We, yeah, well set up, uh, used ingeniously by John Wick, and I think pretty effectively against his enemy. But... You know, according to um, Zombie Survival Handbook, which I take as, like, the authority on zombie rules, wouldn't most of these zombies have decomposed by now?
1: No, they remain in—it's like stasis. The car tires don't rot. the, The gas doesn't evaporate. The batteries and the electricity stays intact. Everything is fine. The zombies go into this stasis, and they just chill until they're triggered, and then otherwise they don't expend energy. They don't decompose. They don't oxidize. They don't spoil.
0: Are you saying that the laws of physics don't apply to the Incheon Peninsula, or are you saying that we have to suspend our disbelief to accept that these Korean zombies don't decompose?
1: When the laws of civilization come to a screeching halt in Korea, so do physics. (laughs) Okay
0: all right well fair enough as
1: evidenced by the car chases
0: Ooh, the wide open roads
1: yeah all those cars had the good sense before they broke down and got covered in dust to pull off to the side a little bit so that was supposed to be the uber lady's function right she was sent in because she used to be a driver and knew the ins and outs and could really get him in there yeah that was the the closest they came to scouting the route and man they really missed it because short round could have been like the baby driver of this movie
0: literal baby driver. It was on Uber's taxi driving experience alone that Redshirt was like, "We got a great team." Like what did Redshirt add?
1: <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Redshirt was food, was fodder.
0: And brother-in-law was kind of like a He was like skittish homeless dude in a way. Like what did he really offer?
1: Both of whom looked like dad vaguely.
0: Yeah, very weird, like our dad specifically. So I get John Wick and I get taxi driver, but the other two were just kind of like hanger-oners. Yep. And why did John Wick go all kung fu in his bedroom? And where was his bedroom? Was he like a prisoner?
1: I don't know, but he beat up a lot of gangsters for them to be like, I mean, all right, you were upset.
0: (laughs) But why did he just, why was like that his default response i'm just gonna like jump out of bed and punch everybody in the face dude
1: he's a caged animal and you you have to unleash him on the peninsula to get your 20 million dollars or 10 million dollars what they told him but yeah they were just waiting for the opportunity
0: so i think we're we're barreling towards some pretty obvious ratings here
1: on some level this movie was dumb fun right? If you can't pick it apart, especially and unfortunately, because now looking at it in retrospect, maybe Aliens was fun and kind of cool in some ways, which is why I like Aliens. It suffers in direct comparison to its predecessor, as this movie definitely does. But there was some fun elements. I mean, if this were a zombie video game, I would be like, that was pretty cool, I guess. I don't like to linger in the whole humanity is worst in the zombies thing. Pitting people against each other and people going all Colonel Kurtz and being crazy and not caring about, about other people.
0: They don't care about other people, but they meticulously inventory their food so that they can ration.
1: Sure. I just want the rock-ass zombie horror. And I wanted it on the same level that Wreck, the Spanish film, uh, Wreck 2 got way more intense because it wasn't just people scrambling around an apartment building. Uh, The military does come in and they have some high-grade weapons and that only ups the stakes for your ability to throw way more zombies at the problem. a Lot of aliens in Alien, a lot more zombies in wreck because they have automatic weapons and the means to dispatch at a higher rate makes it cool and fun and that's what I wanted to see. So when we stopped down for that kind of stuff in this one, as we mentioned when the military gets involved and stuff, I don't really care about the humans. I wanna see the zombies do cool zombie stuff and see how they're gonna get themselves out of it. And uh, you know, but there were some fun elements.
0: I mean, Peninsula isn't unwatchable, but the cold open was not encouraging. And as soon as uh, John Wick started, you know, presenting his machine gun, I was like. "Mm."
1: Thankfully, not unwatchable, because now in my excitement to see this movie, to review this movie or to discuss this movie, uh, there was no rental option. So now I own it for better or worse.
0: So not not exactly the proud owner of Train to Busan Presents Peninsula.
1: I mean, I might watch it again. Sure. It was better than The Predator which is the last major movie I actually spent money on, (laughs) The Predator, not Predator, distinction, let's be clear. So it's only available right now to own. You can get it on Blu-ray, but uh, I'm at least thankful because we were all raring to go and fired up to go and see this right after Tenet back in the day in the theater. And uh, thankfully, I saved a little bit of money in not doing that.
0: Not to mention probably time and traveling to and from a distant theater that happened to be open.
1: But if I had known, it was actually playing in the same theater where we saw Tenet, and we came out of Tenet, fired up to do the review for it, and we could have gone right into Peninsula. And I considered that a missed opportunity until I actually saw Peninsula.
0: (laughs) And then you realized you were spared a double doozy? Yep. All right, so officially?
1: Officially, it was whatever. Whatever. I mean, it was fun. There are lots of movies that have cool elements that I cannot rank among my favorites. There are certainly better zombie movies than Peninsula that is not speaking specifically to its Koreanness or anything because we've seen good Korean zombie movies. but there are a lot of Korean zombie movies that look I think like American zombie movies, and we've seen I've seen enough of those so that this one doesn't really stand out in any way. It's whatever,
0: yeah. Unfortunately, it's a whatever. I was really looking forward to Train to Busan. Train to Busan presents Peninsula. <laughs> and did I pronounce that right? Yes, um, you did. <laughs> and I was really disappointed. I was disappointed for our listeners that we weren't able to get this review out in time for Halloween because we thought that this would be an appropriate Halloween title. But I think that we were all maybe spared a little bit. This could be a between holiday review that we can kind of eke out there and then move on to our awards fair. And so there you got it. Our official ratings are Whatever from Wes and Boring from Iris. That's our review on Train to Busan Presents Peninsula. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Or Whatever Movies by subscribing, following, and supporting us on Patreon. How do people get in touch with us, Wes?
1: That would be our hotline, 818-835-0473.
0: Or movies at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, so let us know. And we'll see you next time.
1: Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. I got
0: this No, that's just my dad.
1: My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels,
0: again with a big
1: touchdown. On this show, we come to humanize. Athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power.
0: Electric acid. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning into to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert.
1: And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the
0: mysteries of sound.